was going to minister I was, but I felt like God gave me a word that I have to give you today. And, um, you know, I believe the Lord told me it's time to quit surviving and for you to begin thriving. All right? It's there for a season now. Some of us have just tried to get by, get through, get past. But I feel like I told you last week, the seasons have changed. And I want to minister today on how to move into the purpose of God. I love the story that I'm going to come out of today because it's probably the greatest story that gives me hope in the entire Bible. We're going to come out of one of my favorite characters who became one of the most complex characters in the Bible, but he was one of the most widely used characters in the Bible as well. We're going to come out of the life of Saul, which is also now we're going to talk about how God made him Paul. Two-thirds of the New Testament written by this man. Not only just two-thirds of the New Testament, but you're talking about an expert in the things of God. We're talking about the, the, the way we know about how the gifts of the Spirit operate. The way we know how the fruits of the Spirit work. The way we know is because God used this man to pin by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He planted churches around the world that changed the globe. He also, you know, an expert in relationship. Although, you know, he wasn't married, he wrote the, the most famous chapter on love there is in the Bible that we read as, as a husband challenges me to the core to be more of a husband or to be more of a friend just by reading 1 Corinthians 13 because God had given this guy such wisdom. But that's not where his... So we, when, you, when, you, when you see preachers and you, you meet people that are, you know, have a season of being used by God, a lot of times it's easy to forget where they came from. And the thing about this character here was being mightily used by God. And usually when you hear the teachings and people preach on Paul, they preach on the end of how mighty of a man of God he was. But that's not where the story started. And I want to not, I'm not pointing back at his past this morning for any disrespect, but what I want to tell this story gives me hope because if he started so far, from where God could have used him. And God brought him to a place to be in one of the most influential personalities in history that God used to change the world. I'm here to tell you, there's hope for you. And there's hope for me. Because I, I've done a lot of bad things. I've done a lot of stupid things. I've done a lot of things I shouldn't have done. Should have known better. Should have acted better. Should have, should have, should have a lot of things. But I'm here to tell you, I've never killed a Christian just because they were a Christian. And so when I read this story, at the same point, my jaw drops in amazement. But it also enlightens a spirit of hope for me. That if God could use a man, why would God use a man like Paul? Because He wants to use you in the same manner. He wants you to know that no matter how far you've been, how low you've gone, how many mistakes you've made, how much failure you have in your past, God's future and His plan for you is greater and more mighty than you could ever imagine. So we're going to talk about Paul today. This was a tough dude. You know, this wasn't no sissy Christian. You know, as a matter of fact... Paul, when he, when he moved into the calling of God, and I, I feel like I just need to put this too, just because you commit and move into your calling and destiny of God, don't expect it to be easy. 
I want to tell you this up front because, see, a lot of times when we, we start moving toward God and we hit a hardship or we start hitting difficulty or we're hitting, hitting things and maybe we don't see God moving, we think, well, maybe I'm out of purpose or maybe I'm off point or maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe No, you just need to know. That the devil's going to fight you every step of the way. The devil's not going to make it easy for you any direction you go. And just because you're facing something difficult, just because it seems like the world is coming against you, does not mean you're out of the plan of God. As a matter of fact, it actually means you're actually a threat and the enemy is afraid of you. And the very reason there's a target on your back, on your marriage, on your job, on your finances, on your health, is because you've got the devil more scared of him than he has of you. Or I'm sorry, He's got, you've got the devil more scared of you than you are of him. You're dangerous. You just have no idea. You're unstoppable. The Bible says if it's a God thing, it's unstoppable. There's one thing in your life that cannot be stopped. And that is the plan of God for it if you will just choose to live the plan of God for it. When Paul shows up in the Bible, he didn't show up this mighty Christian that could take a beating for the name of God. He wasn't this mighty man that would, you know what I'm saying, when he got put in a very tough situation, locked up in jail, the first response in him was to lift his hands in praise. See, we see those things and we, we see that result. But my question is, how do I get there? How do I get to a place to be able to live and walk through life like Paul did? And, you know, the way you get there is that's what we're going to talk about today. Is how do you move into the purpose of God? Alright, so we're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And I'll explain some of that here in just a minute. But I want to read and we're going to start in Acts chapter 9 verse 1. It says, And then Saul, because he wasn't Paul yet, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So as he journeyed, he, came, he drew near to Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembled and astonished and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men, and, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he, once, he saw no one. But when but they led him to by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. And now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief of the priest to bind 
all who came in by your name. But the Lord said to him, Go from for he is chosen go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel. For I will show you for I will show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there he fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once. And he rose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And Saul immediately preached the... Verse 20. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogue. And he is the Son of God. And then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name of... In Jerusalem... And he and has come here so that for that same very same purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chiefs. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Hey, man, Samuel, it's good to have. I looked up and saw you all ago. Awesome. We'll get to hang out today. Hey, let's jump into this thing. All right, how to move into purpose. Because what I've realized several times in my life is that, you know, when you go to start taking steps in the Lord, you know, God is always faithful to reach and encounter you where you are, no matter how far off you are from God. But the problem is what I've realized in my own personal life is moving forward a lot of times, I have a tendency to get so far and get stuck. And when you get so far and get stuck, although you can still be going toward the will of God, you can find yourself not as effective or not as fulfilled as God really wants you to be. And so I feel in my heart today, God is wanting to reach out and unstick a few people today. You might be stuck at one of these points we're going to talk about. You're stuck on your journey. You're stuck going towards your purpose. And you're not finding the fulfillment that you know or you feel God wants you to live and be. And it's going to be up to you today whether or not you pick your feet up, pull them out of the mud and move forward. First of all, I want to jump into this, breaking the story down. I read it, long story. I usually don't read that much of a story, but we're going to break it down into several points. And the first point I really want to bring up today was that when Saul was in a place doing a thing that he shouldn't have been doing, that God was willing to show up in his situation. Now, I love the way God showed up in his situation because this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that, When he was on the road, it says, a great light shone all around him. Let me tell you this straight off. You have a purpose and a destiny of God attached to your life. The Bible says God has made you the light of the world. Now, I'm here to tell you this. There are kids, there are adults, there are people in this city that are as far from God as Saul was that day. But the thing about it is, they may not have an encounter with God until you choose to be the light. You've got to understand your destiny Your purpose will be contained within the very idea of you being the light that God has called you to be. But the minute you choose to shine the way God has chose you to shine, you will be given the ability to step into situations and reach people that no other way can be reached unless a light shows up in their life. Your children are needing lights showing up in their life. Your family members need a light showed up in their life. And unless you choose to be a light, there are going to be people that don't go into eternity the way they're supposed to go into eternity. 
eternity because you won't flip your switch on. The challenge before you today, before you get out of here, is I want to do this. Will you put your switch on the on side of the switch? Get it off the off. You need to understand God wants to use you to impact people. God wants to use you to change this city. God wants to use you to change your family. God wants to use you to change your job. This walk that we walk, this life that we live, is not meant to just be lived here. It is this. the purpose of what we do is we are to come in here, have God come in here, and then we take God that has come in here and we carry it out there. And you carry what you learn and God gives you in here into your job on Monday, into your family on Monday evening, into your friends on Saturday. And every area you walk into, God has called you to be a light. And there are people on the wrong road, going the wrong way, doing the wrong thing, and God has sent you into their situation, so you're going to have to turn that switch on. This is a mandate. God put you here to make a difference. You aren't to live this life just going by day by day, getting a check to pay a bill, to have to do it over and over again. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. God wants to move you to a place that you are more than a conqueror. He wants you to be more than just successful, more than just covering your bills. He wants to make you something that you could never be. And that is a light that will pull, pull people out of darkness into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. First of all, what is the purpose of God for my life? Your purpose is to be a light. You say, well, Cricket, how do I move to my purpose? How do I move to the will? of You start shining for Jesus right where you are. Do you understand if a light had not have shown up on that road? Paul may never have encountered Jesus and his life been transformed. If you don't go to work on Monday and be all that you can be, be what you were on Sunday. There may be somebody on your job facing something they're not going to be able to get through. They may be spending the rest of their eternity bound. The same way Paul was about to put those Christians in. They may be walking day to day that way, bound by addiction, bound by heartbreak, bound by disappointment. But God has put a light in their situation. You just have to recognize who you are. You're light. You have the ability to stop people on the wrong roads doing the wrong thing. All you have to do is realize that is what God's called me to do. Number two, you know, you can be at the right place at the right time with everything you need and not get what it is you came there to get. Why did God use Paul? He, he, was, he was a screw up according to success and career. When you really look at it, he was a complete success. In the corporate church world at the time, you could say he had risen from the bottom to the top. He had climbed the corporate ladder. He'd become completely successful. He had gotten to be at the high rankings of the church government at that time. So it wasn't that he had failed at doing what he was doing. A lot of people don't turn to God until they everything around them and everything they're doing fails. And then they think, all right, now at least I can, now I'll try to do it God's way. Paul wasn't a failure here. He was actually a success. The problem with it was, was he wasn't doing what Jesus had created him to do. He was doing what he thought was right. You know, you can be a million miles from the purpose of God in your life because you're doing what you think is right instead of doing what God has put you here to do. 
You know, I say this all the time. You can be 100% right and still be 100% wrong. You know, me and Jennifer will argue. And I know that just blew some of y'all away right there. That we argue. <laughs> but we do. And I mean, we got a, we got a real marriage. The great, one of the greatest things in my life is my marriage to Jennifer. But we, we and her argue some. And you know what it is, we'll get into a situation and Jennifer just needs help. So we'll have to get into those things. And <laughs> hopefully she watch it. And so, but we'll, we'll get into an argument. The thing about it is, there's a lot of times I know the right answer, but I'll say it the wrong way. And I'll be 100% right and do more damage with me being right than me doing it, being allowing the situation or the knowledge to be wrong and me being willing to do it right. Does that make sense? See, Paul here, he thought he was, Saul, he thought he was defending God. He was a, he had the 100% right heart, but he was doing it 100% with the wrong hand because he was doing it the way he thought it should be done. Let me tell you this. Your thinking will get you in more trouble than anything else. And the enemy will play with your thinking more than he will with anything else. In a marriage, you'll think that you have a right because they don't. Or the enemy will make you think on your job. You know what? They're not paying me what I should, so I should just take that with me home. Or, you know, they, you'll get your thinking will get you in a place where you can be 100% right, but you allow your actions to move you into a place that you'll be 100% wrong because it's not what you think that matters. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 too, it says that there's actually a pattern that you cannot let your mind be conformed to. But you must transform your mind, the Bible says, to the renewing of the Word. In other words, what the world says is right, doesn't make it right. If it's not in the Word and it's not God's way, it's not right. And so you have to be willing that, you know what, the world may say that you got to do it this way, that way, that way, but God, what is God saying to you? you got to be willing to do it God's way. Number two, you've got to recognize the light. Or number three, you've got to be able to recognize the light. Paul was going down the road, and the Bible says the light bright shine knocked him off his high horse. That's happened to me more times in my life than you can imagine. I've been knocked off more horses. <laughs> but I found out this, I've only been knocked off horses that I climbed on myself. Any situation God put me in, God kept me in. But it's when I would get in them situations and put myself and make myself think or make myself feel or allow myself to think that I'm higher than what I ought, I can let you know there was a light moment in my future and I'd find myself getting knocked off. You know, but you can be in the right place at the right time with the right things you need. And I, I, when I was youth pastor and I used to try to get my kids to understand this, I could be in the right place at the right time. And have everything I need but not get what I needed out of it. And so one day, and I know it's ignorant, but I'm going to share the story with you because it worked with them too. But I went to Walmart and back then I had a lot more hair than I have now. As a matter of fact, it was actually didn't have the spot in the back that I have now and it was longer. And I, and I wore a lot of gel back then, alright? And so my kids knew that I wore a lot of gel. So I was out of jail one morning. I got up to went to Walmart and I was going to build an illustrated sermon for that night. So I got there, walked in the Walmart parking lot. There was a skater kid in the parking lot. I got, I had a $5 bill. I said, hey man, will you go in there and will you go into uh, Walmart and buy me? I told him the brand hair gel I use. Told him exactly where it is because I'd bought it hundreds of times. This kid with the skateboard, he, he looked at me and said, yeah, I sure will. Took my $5 bill, tucked his skateboard under his arm, walked right into the front of Walmart and I sat there. And I sat there. And I sat there. And I knew what he was going to do before I did it, but I wanted to prove the point that it was going to happen. That, you know, he had took his skateboard, went out the auto entrance, jumped on it, and went on his way with my money. 
And so what I, the point, what I was trying to say is, you know, you can be at the right place at the right time. What I needed was there. But if you're expecting somebody else to do it for you, flat chances are it's not going to come your way. You can't let someone else serve the purpose of God in your life. If you're not doing what God has called you to do, if you're not taking the steps that you're needing to take, you can miss out on the purpose and the fulfillment that God has for you. It can't be done by mom. It can't be done by dad. It can't be done by pastor. It can't be. It's got to be done by you. That's why, for example, on Kids Day, on Family Day, we're having in a few weeks, we're going to ask every mother, every grandfather, every every grandparent, every parent to bring every kid they can in their family. Do you know why? Because God's not going to hold me accountable to whether or not your children or your grandchildren are saved. He didn't give them to me. He may have called me to be a pastor, but He put them in your family. And Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey them that have rule over you, submit yourselves, for they watch for your soul, that they may give an account on the day of judgment. It's not my job to know if they're saved. It's my job to give them a chance. It's your job to know if they are. And I'm here to tell you, you can't let someone else If you're expecting a pastor to pull you into the destiny of God for your life, it's not going to happen. You can be here every Sunday with everything you need. And it's all available for you, to you. And if you don't get up out of your seat and take a step toward what God's created you to do, you're just going to miss it. And I'm here to tell you, God has such great plans for you. The Bible says, your eye has not seen, your ear has not heard, you has not even entered the thought of man. In other words, it will blow your mind. It's been better than any dream you've ever had, if you'll just take that step. So, so how do you do it? Well, your salvational experience is laid out in this story, and it's pretty cool because it's a, it's a stair-step process. You can see it, and we'll pull it out of it. You know, the first thing, the first step for God in the direction and the purpose for you, moving toward purpose, is this. Have an encounter with God. God has designed you, and you were born. The Bible says that for every purpose, there's a time and a season. This is your time, and this is your season. This is not by chance. You didn't just willy-nilly pop up at some random point. God put you here right now for a purpose and a time. You're here for a time and a season. If you read that in Ecclesiastes, it's a capital P. You are a purpose. God has a plan. He don't need you. He loves you. Like I tell, you, I tell this other, I didn't have my little girls. Me and Jennifer, we were married for four years before we had Alexis. We did everything we wanted to do. And I didn't get the calling inside. I'm glad Jen did because I would have missed out on it. But Jim was like, Cricket, we've, we've done everything, but there's something missing. So we had Alexis. And when we did, boom, my life went from what I thought was a 10 to a 100. I, love, I mean, she added so much to my life. But I'm here to tell you this. I did not have that little girl for her to support me one single day, for her to have to clean my house for me one single day. And I didn't do, I did, we did not create her so that she could serve us. We created her because we wanted to love her. Now, does she do things for us? Does she do things around her? Absolutely. But that's not her purpose of me creating her. But now that she's there, there are jobs she has at the house. There are things that depend on her to do. And it makes a difference according to who our family is. And so what I'm telling you is this. God ain't wanting to use you up. He didn't have you so he would have a... He's not sitting in heaven with the whip saying, All right, get it, do it. He's not, that's not what he's doing. He loves you. He wanted relationship with you. But he also knew the potential you have inside. And so he knew at some point in history, there was going to be such a need that no one else could feel it except you. Because he said he knew you before you were born. And so at this moment, at this time, and in this city, at this area, he put you here because there is a purpose. It's not by accident. You say, well, Cricket, if God was in it, why would it be so bad? I'm sorry it's bad. We live in a fallen world. It's not fair. I totally understand. But God wouldn't have let you come into it if He didn't know you couldn't handle it. 
Because he says he won't let you go through anything that you can't handle without creating a way of escape. If you're still standing, it's because God knew you could. God knew that you were going to be here today. And God knew that He was going to be able to reach into your situation and change all things for good, even the hurts and the brokenness, if you can just move into that encounter with God. So there are some in here today that are at this point of their purpose and their destiny. They need to have an encounter with God. Paul was doing what he thought he should do, living his life the way he thought he should live, and actually probably felt pretty good about it. Because he had risen to the corporate ladder of church government at the time. But then Jesus showed up. And this is what he said. This is where somebody in here today, I believe, is. And if you're not there today, some of you, all of us that have a relationship with God, have been here. The first step in your purpose and moving toward the purpose of God is for you to ask this question. Who are you? The light shone. Saul fell. And while he was down, the Bible says a voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And the first thing he said was, who are you? The first purpose or first move you make in your destiny is for you to have a relationship and know who Jesus is. If you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, you are missing out on the greatest parts of life than you could imagine. Jesus is the answer to everything wrong in your life. Jesus is the answer to every broken spot you have in your life. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the way. Jesus is what it's all about. And see, the problem is a lot of people never know this because they never ask the question, who are you? We, we get into the understanding of doing just church the way church is done. And so we come in and we do church the way church is done. And you can actually sit in this service and come here week by week and week by week and never have a relationship with Jesus. He could have said, what is this? But instead of saying, what is this? He says, who are you? It's all about relationship. God wants to know you and He wants you to know Him more than you know anybody else on this earth. He wants to be the one that when you do have a hardship, that's who you go to. I go to my closest. i got to be honest with you. When I, when I have an issue, when I'm mad, when I'm upset, I go to my closest. And when, when somebody really makes me mad, I would love to say I'm spiritual enough. I usually go to my knees and be like, oh, Jesus, did you say? I know, Jennifer, did you know what they just did? But Jesus wants that place. He wants you to know Him so close that He's got that place. And so my question is this. Do you know who He is? Is your life a living question of who are you, Lord? If you don't do anything else on this earth, if you don't do anything else in your life, if you start off every day saying, God, I want you to show me who you are today. I want you to show me how much you care for me. I want you to show me all that you want in my life. I want to know you more. You'll succeed in the destiny of God for your life. But a lot of times we try to take a step over that one. Because we've been taught... That going to church, or we've been taught doing the Christian thing, or we've been taught to do the walk and not the relationship. I'm here to tell you, I don't care how many times or how big of a church we grow. If we come down to ten people in this church, but those ten people know Jesus in a way that no one else in the city knows, I will feel like we're a success. I've moved past the point of wanting to grow a big church. I want to grow a place in with a group of people that know Jesus so intimately that when 
he moves, we move. And when he speaks, we hear. Jesus was able to do it with 12. Changed the world with 12. So i got to be honest, I love big crowds. That's why we throw big events. But my real concern no more is to build a big church. It's to get a group of people that know Jesus so well that we can hear the very heartbeat of the Lord. So number one, do you know Him? The first step in the destiny of your life. Number two, well, the thing about it is this. This is what He said. I skipped this. It says, He says, who are you? And He says, I am Jesus, the one you persecuted. Then Jesus said this. He says, how long are you going to kick against the goad? I don't know about you, but I've been there so many times it's not even funny. I make getting things done for God more important than getting to know who God is. And you know what will happen? You know what it says? Well, how long are you going to kick against the goat? Here, that goat is a, is a farmer's tool that is used like when oxen are pulling a wagon and the oxen don't want to move. They reach out. It's a stick with a point on it. And they poke the, the ox in the rear and it makes him move. It's a goat. You're goading that thing. And he keeps moving. And God said this. How long are you going to kick against the goad. I don't know about you, but how many of you guys have seen that thing on Facebook where there's this monkey, and he goes, what I look like when I stomp my toe? Have y'all seen that? I was going to play it for you. It's very funny. This monkey goes, ooh, yeah. Most, most of my Christian walk has been me walking around going, ooh, you know, because what it is that I, I try to do things on my way, try to do things the way I think they ought to be done instead of taking time to get to know who Jesus is. And so I'm constantly kicking against what God's wanting to use to help me go forward. If you're struggling, it seems like every time you go to take a step in your relationship with God and it hurts, you need to pull back and get to know who God is first. Quit trying to do stuff before you know who's got it do, got you doing it, okay? And so, quick, he says, how long are you going to keep doing it your way? How long are you going to keep fighting what I'm trying to do in your life? You can trust God. God, you know, you can trust that He's got your very best interest in hand. Next step in your, in your moving toward purpose is this. It's going to take you coming to a place where you're willing to surrender all that you have. That's what it said. He said, he said, number one, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, the one you persecute. He said, so he trembled and astonished and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Give me years and how much time I spent trying to get God to do what I want him to do. Most of my prayer life growing up was, Oh God, I need you to fix her. And oh God, I need you to give me this. And oh God, I need you to help me with this situation. I spent most of my energy, my first several years of serving the Lord, trying to get God to get in what I wanted. Let me, let me, let me break it down for you. If you're not willing to allow God's way to be the way, you may never get God's way. You will not get the will of God unless you're living God's will. And so, you know, a lot of times what happens is, you know, we, we move ourselves into a place where we, we're praying about our situations and praying about what we need and praying about our things that we spend so much energy and time doing it, we never give God a chance to let us know what He wants us to do. Now, everyone, out of all the things that the disciples could have asked Jesus to do, They asked him, what I see now is the most important. But they could have asked him anything. And i got to be honest with you, if if I was standing before Jesus today, there's probably a lot of things, and I saw him do all that he do, there were a lot of things I wish he would have taught me how to do. Like, I would have been like, oh, Jesus, uh, 
would you please teach me how to walk on water? Because that would be cool. And I could show off and, and when I could get it, I could show up and there'd be a lot of people and I could, I could do that. But they didn't ask him to walk on water, although that's pretty cool. Well, one of them said, let me walk on water. But they didn't ask him to teach, all right? Or they could have said, you know, another cool trick would have been, Jesus, teach us how to turn water into wine. Wouldn't that have been a cool trick? Jesus says, why? So I'll get invited to all the parties. Because if you can turn water into wine. <laughs> I got to went to a party at Jennifer's work the other day. And, um, you know, one of the guys, it, it was a, a work party. Jennifer's a real estate agent. And so it was, it was a lot of free spirits flowing. And we were there and the guy goes, you know, do uh, you come to very many of these? He says, you know, um, drinking and everything going on. I said, you'd be surprised how many of these I get invited to because uh, they're always afraid they're going to run out of wine and they want somebody there that will pray over the water if they do. He didn't think it as funny as you did. <laughs> but they could ask that. But they didn't. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what Jesus said. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Now, you all know it. Ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be. So everybody, I, y'all all got the King James Version memorized. Huh? <laughs> Knowing you don't read the King James anymore, but you memorize because of Sunday school teachers, right? All right? But most people keep it, and they pray a lot like that, but that's really not how they pray. They pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My kingdom come. My will be done. In my head, the way I want it to be done. And that's the truth. That's how most of us pray. Because what we're dealing with, what we're going through, and the situation we're facing, we think that God, the will of God is to fix that. Or the purpose for God is to fix that. The truth is this. If you're going to be in the destiny of God for your life, there's going to be sometimes you're going to live in an uncomfortable situation. And for you to be what God wants you to be, and be in the purpose of God, you're going to have to be willing to live uncomfortably at times. Daniel lived uncomfortable. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived uncomfortable. Paul lived uncomfortable. Jesus had to go through uncomfortable situations. Because the thing about it is, God will allow you to go through uncomfortable times in your life so that the people that are around you watching you go through that will have a light that will pull them out of theirs. And so, thing about it is, how do you... He said, Jesus, what do you want me to do? He didn't tell God what he wanted him to do. If you're going to live a surrender life, you're going to have to learn to pray the pattern, the prayer. First of all, it was, God, we worship you. Number one. God, I surrender to you. Number two. Then it says, Thy will be done on earth that it is in heaven. When you get to a place where you can worship God and you're willing to lay your life down for His life that He has planned for you, then what happens is you move from a place of you having to survive on your own and you move into a place that the Bible says that was predestined for you before the beginning of time. Do you understand? He's already wrote your story. The Bible says this. The Bible says He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Alright? He's already wrote your story. And I'm here to tell you, it does not end bad. It does not end bad. The Bible says there's a book in heaven with every one of your days written on it. And He didn't write a story that ends bad. He wrote a story where you win, you succeed, you accomplish, you're happy, and you're fulfilled. The problem is, we don't let God's story be the story that we live. So when we get to a place where we say, God, not my will, your will. 
Then you move to a place that God's will can move you forward to what you purposed and destined to be. Number three. Well, let's drop back up just for a second. It says this. The Bible says that when the light shone, knocked him off his word, he, he said, who are you? Relationship. You concentrate on getting to know Jesus more. You'll move into your destiny. Not my way, God, your way. You quit trying to figure it out for God. You let God tell you how it's going to be. And he will tell it good. You surrender to him and be willing to do it his way. You'll succeed. You know you're not surrendered. Just like here in this story where Paul said he opened his eyes and he could see no one. You know you're not surrendered if you can't see anybody's situations or needs but your own. You can write that down and you can think about that all the time. Next time, when all you can see is yourself, you're not in the will of God. It's not about you. It's not about you. God wants to use you. But if all you can, the Bible says, read it there, it says, when he opened his eyes, he could see no man. We get so stuck on looking at our own situations that we can't see what anybody else around us is going through. And you will miss the destiny of God. But then number three, to move on into purpose, you have to understand your life has an eternal connection. In Ecclesiastes 3, 9, it says this, for what profit, it, what profit hath the worker from, what, from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task which has... Which, I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. Let me break that down. It says, he saw... This is the smartest man in the world. It says, I can see the tasks that you are supposed to be occupied in. In other words, even the smart guy in the world knew that you were supposed to be occupied in something. It says this in verse 11. He made everything beautiful in his time. That's where you have to trust your bad days, your hard situations, that God has given you a task here on earth. And at some moment, what you're going through will be good. I had a realization this morning, just praying about what's going on today. And I got to be honest with you. There was something that happened in my life a few years ago that my wife has already moved to a place where she's like cricket. It was worth every second. I got to be honest with you, I haven't been there. I've still been mad. I've still been bitter. I've still been trying to do it all right. Still been saying, God, why would I even question God? God, I, I don't see what I'm living worth what I went through. I don't see it at the level of the pain that it was. And then all of a sudden today, because I was praying about it driving in this week, I, about what true forgiveness is. And, you know, I keep trying to make the mind, my mind up, true forgiveness. You know, I've been praying for, and I gotta, I'll just be honest. There's a part of my heart that's been bitter for the last four years that I've been trying to deal with. That. I did not know how to get it out. Okay? But this morning it came out. I was there and I said, God. I said, that scripture I read this says, for He has made everything beautiful in its time. And God said, look back then. And remember the day before it happened. And I do. Man, life was good. I remember sitting on the front porch of my house with my kids playing in the front yard. I had my arm around my wife and I said, baby, I just got invited in the city to do something on a, another pastoral level. I said, baby, life is good. The next day I woke up and hell was loose. 
And i got to be honest with you, I've not seen how good life is. Because I remembered how good I felt that day before hell broke loose. But it said, everything is beautiful. And so I've turned around this morning. And I've looked at how far I have come. How much change I have made. I look at the wife that God has given me. And how strong she is. I look at my children and what they've become. And now I look back and see, had I not gone through that. And you say, well, Cricket, you should already have that. We could see that. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not that smart sometimes. But I was like, oh my gosh, Lord. Look how beautiful that bad day was. I'm here to tell you, if you're on a bad day today, there will come a day, if you stay connected to the purpose of God, you will look back and you will say, God, thank you for breaking that relationship up, because that relationship up, because that, I would have married the wrong man. Yeah. Or you would look back and say, God, thank you for letting my children get into that situation, because if they hadn't, they may be still on their way to hell. Or you may look back and say, God, thank you for making, allowing me to go through that so that I could learn to trust you in the area of my finances, or I could know you as my healer. Everything will be beautiful in a time. I'm here to tell you. You just got to wait for the right time. And it took me four years to get past this. It will be beautiful. It will be, but check this out. This is what it says. It says, And He made everything beautiful His time. Also, He put eternity in their hearts. I'm telling you, there is a connection and there's a place and there's a purpose and there's a will in your life that if you move into, you will be more fulfilled than you've ever imagined being fulfilled. Because, see, God says He put eternity in your heart. And I don't care how selfish you are. I don't care how bullheaded and stubborn you are because I'm proof of all that I'm here to tell you this you will never be fulfilled until that eternity that is in your heart is connected to the destiny that God put you here and your purpose and your destiny is to reach people for eternity and when you realize this you will quit worrying so much about the bills today You'll quit worrying so much about the headaches you're dealing with. And you'll realize that, you know what? God's put eternity in my heart. That means there's a part of who I am connected to eternal value. And when I connect myself to eternal value, what's going to happen is everything that's such a mess now, God can't leave it that way because I'm affecting eternity. And the whole purpose God has me here today is to bring somebody out of the hell that they're living in and bring them into the knowledge of Christ. Connect yourself to eternity purpose. And fulfillment begins to flow through. All right, so this is the question. How do you do it? How do you do it? Four things. One, you need the right people. You're not going to do it with the wrong people. That's why God had to take Paul off that road and say, hey, there's a disciple that's going to help you get to where you got to go. There's going to be a disciple that's going to help you see the things the way you need to see them. There's a disciple that's going to help you walk out the destiny that God's put you and saved you for. And so he, he put Ananias in his life. My question is this. Is it because you're not letting the right people have the right place in your life? Are you stuck in a mess that you can't get out of? I, I'm a firm believer that every single person needs a pastor. I'm a firm believer in that. You say, well, Christ, show it to me scripture. The Bible says Joseph, even the one that called to be the ruler, second in charge over Israel, says he got lost in a field. 
And it says he encountered a man in a field. The man told him where his brothers were and what direction to go. There's been times in my life that I couldn't see what I was supposed to or where I was supposed to go. But pastors were able to speak into my life and tell me what direction I need to go in. I don't trust any person that can tell me they don't have a pastor in their life, that they're in the direct will of God for their life. You say, well, Cricket, prove it to me. Jesus had a pastor. Before Jesus started His ministry, He came and He submitted Himself under John the Baptist. The Bible says that who, who came before Him to prepare the way. And that Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Jesus didn't need to repent. His message was repent and be baptized. But Jesus came to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, Oh, no, I don't need baptized. He understood that if I submit myself to a pastor in this life, then God can use me and anoint me. And so he, let, he, he did as much of what his pastor told him he could do. He couldn't repent. He'd never sin. But he could be baptized. And so he allowed an earthly man to baptize a deity God. And when he did, the Bible says, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus had never done anything yet. And he also said this. He said the Holy Spirit came and lit upon him, empowering him to do what God sent him here to do. Number one, you need a pastor. Number two, you need mentors. You need people to teach you how to go where you're going. Number three, you need friends that will be friends and not just tell you what you want to hear. I got to be honest with you. I need people in my life that are, that love me more than want my approval. Like I mean, I got people that say, "Hey, does this look all right?" And they they don't want to tell me. No, it looks stupid. They'll say, "Yeah, you look great," and they'll let me walk on a stage and look stupid. I appreciate friends like that. Cricket, you need to change, man. Something's going wrong with you today. Or you come to them and say, "You know, this is a good one." Maybe you need to find some friends that you can walk up to and say, "Hey, you think I should be dating her, or you think she's crazy?" They know she's crazy. You know she's crazy. But a person that's not a real friend will say, Oh, no, man, she's she great. She's great. A real friend will say, Man, if you stay in this relationship, it's going to cause you some hurt, some heartache, and it's going to pull you off the right guy. You need real friends. All right? Real fr- I'm so thankful that a real friend one time that I was in a relationship, he said, Man, this ain't the one for you. I'm thankful for that because I found the one that is the one for me because I got out of that relationship. You need some real friends. The people you run with matter according to the destiny of God in your life. Number two, vision. You've got to have vision. You've got to see. That's why when he saw the vision, the way he had always seen life was gone, but God didn't leave him blind. God gave him a new one. You've got to get a vision. You better get around people that if you can't see it, have the ability to show you what God is doing too. Can tell you and speak into your life and you can see what God sees. Alright, number three. He changed his diet. The Bible says that for he, he, when he got there and he couldn't see, he said he did this. He said he didn't eat. He, didn't, he quit feeding off what he'd always been feeding off of. I tell you, you're not going to accomplish the will of God in your life if you keep eating junk that you've been eating up to this point. You're going to have to be willing to say, you know, there's some things I can't let come in. Because if garbage comes in, garbage comes out. And I can't afford garbage to stay in here because the longer garbage stays somewhere, the more it stinks. And if you allow it to stay in here any longer than what it's supposed you're going to be stinking, thinking all the time. Get the garbage out. Change what you're eating. Change what you're listening to. Change what you're allowing to come in. And the Bible says that what he'd been eating, you know, he quit. Next thing it says, it says, and he prayed. You will not accomplish the will of God unless you learn how to pray. 
Most important thing you can do in your destiny for God is you can pray. If you're not praying about it, you're not caring about it. I'm here to tell you that. If you're not praying about it, you're not caring about it. If you're not praying over your wife, you don't care about your wife. If you're not praying over your kids, you're not caring about your kids. You're caring about yourself. You're caring about what they're doing to you. You better turn around and start praying for them. Bible says, Paul, which was, he was praying. Alright? And number four, Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You must know this. The Holy Spirit does not destroy people. The Holy Spirit empowers people. And we're in a dangerous place because a lot of people don't want this mentioned in church anymore. Because they just want us to... But do you understand, Jesus did not move into ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Do you realize Peter couldn't quit cussing? Couldn't quit, couldn't, couldn't quit cutting. Couldn't quit arguing. Couldn't quit all the things that he'd been doing for three years until the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then he walked out with boldness and preached on the day of Pentecost. Your destiny is connected to you being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because your destiny is not what you have the ability to do. Your destiny is what the power of God will ignite inside you and you will accomplish what you never could. The Holy Spirit will not destroy you. The Holy Spirit will not break you. The Holy Spirit will not embarrass you. But you need the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, Craig, I just don't know about that talking in tongues thing. Don't talk in tongues if you don't want to. But I don't know how you're going to accomplish what God wants you to do filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, these signs shall follow them that believe. Speaking in tongues is one of those things that follow. If you don't believe in speaking in tongues, you won't. But it doesn't mean you don't have to invite the Holy Spirit into your life to empower you to accomplish what God has done. But i got to be honest with you, when He gets in you, He brings so much power and so much purpose and so much thing that you'll say, hey, do whatever you want to do because I see you are good for me. Jesus said He is good for you. He said, i got to go. It would be better if I go because who I'm going to send is going to be better for you than if I were to stay. The Holy Spirit is nothing but good for you. And so I'm going to close right here. And we're going to go party. But I want to say this. If you're here this morning and you're on the wrong road doing the wrong thing, living the wrong way and you've been doing it your way because it's the only way you knew and it's the only thought you could have, but you realize today I'm so far from God and what God wants me to be and what God, who God needs me to be and I don't know Him at all, you can change that today. These people sitting around you are lights in your life. The Bible says He was surrounded by light. You're surrounded by light in here today. There will be no condemnation. There will be no embarrassment. There will be no shame. If you say, Cricket, I need Jesus in my life. I used to know Him. I don't know more. Or I never knew Him and I need Him today. If you will turn that light on in your life, your life will begin to change. If you're here today and you say, Cricket, I need Jesus. Just raise your hand real high. If you say, I need Jesus. All right, we got one hand. Anybody else? Two hands? Anybody else? Three hands? Four, five. I'm not trying to embarrass you. What I'm trying to say is this. Your life is about to change. You're about to be, you've been on the wrong road for so long. You're about to get on a street called straight. And you need to understand, it's not about the way you behavior. It's about relationship. And so you're about to change. So say, dear Father, I ask you to forgive me right now for being on the wrong road doing the wrong thing, 
for the wrong reasons. And I ask you, Jesus, to let me know who you are. I ask you to become the Lord of my life. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. And I believe at this moment, right now, I am your child with the inheritance that you have for me in Jesus' name. You feel it? If you raise your hand, do you feel that there were, I mean, I'm just being honest with you, there was an eternity spark in your heart that wasn't there when you knew you weren't right with God. But when, you know why? Because the Bible says God has put eternity in every man's heart. That, that connection that you've been missing just began to connect. Now the thing about it is, it won't continue. If you walk out this door and you keep doing what you've been doing. And you say, well, Cricket, I've been trying to quit for a long time. It's not about quitting. It's about connecting with the purpose. Just like Paul could not have done what was right when he walked off that road, if God wouldn't have put the right people in his life to connect him to the right place, you need people in your life to help you walk this thing out. You experience God today. You walk it out tomorrow through the relationships that you build. Pastor Yvette is our connection pastor here at this church. And his job here at this church is to help you take the next step. If you took that step today, I want you to do me a favor. Roger, would you wave, Roger? This gentleman right over here in that awesome shirt saying, see what God can do through me. <laughs> I love our church. He's right there. If you raise your hand, you need to go to him. He's going to have a packet for you. He's going to give you this packet. And then you're going to fill out a card. We're not going to hound you with this card. What's going to happen is Brother Yvette will contact you. And he will help you make your connection to the next step. Alright? Because if you quit stepping right here, you can make it to the road of salvation. But I promise you this, you'll be doing it again next week. And you'll be doing it again. I got saved a hundred times. You know why? I couldn't get it to stick. I couldn't get it to stick until I got people that would help me walk the way I walk. And show me where to go where I couldn't see where to go. And then all of a sudden I realized that one day I was what God was wanting me to be. And I was helping other people get there too. That will happen to you. So today you made the first step. Tomorrow, you'll make another, and that's connect with the right people. Now, I'm going to turn out to this. If you're here today, you say, Cricket, I love what you said about the Holy Spirit. I, I wish I had a power inside of me that would help me do what I can't. I want to make that available to you. The same way you get saved is the same way you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to try to make you speak in tongues, although I'm a tongue talker. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to simply pray with you. And I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit in. He's a perfect gentleman. I've learned this about him. He's never made me do something I didn't want to do. He didn't grab me and shake me across the stage or nothing like that. I had to choose to do what I've always done when I've done it. He would just lead me in the direction he wanted to lead me in. Because he's a friend. He's a comforter. He's a teacher. And so, if you're here and you say, Cricket, I've never asked the Holy Spirit to fill my life. But I know I'm missing something. Today, I want to give you the opportunity to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, do I need it? Well, Paul needed it. The worst of the worst. As a matter of fact, he says he's the worst sinner that ever was. The worst of the worst couldn't do the best of the best. Because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament without the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. You're not going to be able to do it to the level God wants you to do it without using the tools that God gave you to live. You know, I've got to be honest with you. There was a bucket at my house the other day. And I didn't know the bucket. We used it last year. We planted a bucket garden. All right, we didn't do that. We planted a But Haley come walking around the yard. I've got to watch Haley because she'll walk around the yard and just pick stuff. She ain't supposed to pick and eat stuff she ain't supposed to eat. But she come walking around the yard the other day with a strawberry in her hand. 
chewing up on that thing. And I knew I didn't buy no strawberries. I do a lot of the grocery shopping. And when I get in, I was like, kid, where'd you get that? One, I didn't want a stranger to give it to her. Two, I don't know if that was a strawberry. I just thought it was a strawberry. And I said, kid, where'd you get that? And she says, in the bucket back there. So we walked around back and there was our bug. We hadn't planted anything in them yet. But there was a strawberry bush growing in there from last year. It had died gone. But it, what I'm saying is this. There are times I've not been able to produce love, joy. There are times I, I couldn't find joy in my life. There are times I didn't have peace. I didn't have gentleness. I didn't. But you know what? You don't have to try to do it. Just like I didn't have to try to grow strawberries. If you've got the seed of that in there. And the Bible says this. When the Holy Spirit comes in, the fruit that will grow in your life is love. Joy, peace. And you won't even have to try. Your job is to get the seed in. And when you put the seed in, the power within the seed causes the fruit to spontaneously grow. The fruits of the Spirit come out of the Holy Spirit being on the inside of you. And so if you're here today and say, Cricket, I've not been able to do it, but I, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody, I'm just simply going to ask, if you'd like me to pray with you, and you, it's not my special prayers, it's you pray, and I just like to lead with you. If you say, Cricket, and I'm not, we're going to stop right there, we're going to go pray, we won't even pull you up or anything like that, we're just going to begin the process today. Okay? If you say, Cricket, I need the Holy Spirit in my life, would you simply raise your hand, acknowledging that you need Him there? Alright? Now put your hand down, we're going to pray. Say, Dear Father, I ask you right now, to prepare my heart to receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come into my life and fill me from the top of my head to the soles of my toes. I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to fill every part. I ask you to bring your power, to bring your gifts, and to bring your fruit. And I give you your way in my life. Thank you for filling me in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. You just began a garden in your life to produce fruit you could never grow on your own. Amen. Give God a big hand clap. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for staying with us. They're going to jam out on our way out. Don't leave. The band's going to play. They got tacos out there. They got all kind of stuff. Fellowship. Hang out. We need you as bad as you need us. We do this thing together. So if you don't know anybody else in here, find somebody to know. If you see somebody that doesn't know somebody, grab them. Introduce them to five people. We are the church. It's not the preacher. We are the church. And the Bible says the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So get plugged in. And the Bible says you will flourish in the house of God. God bless you. We'll talk to you outside.